Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. In a world where tension is flaring between Christian, Muslim, and Jew, and where immigration is increasingly a point of contention, Mehmet Daimagular hopes to act as a bridge to cooperation. The son of Turkish immigrants to Germany, Daimagular's career has included stints in government, industry, and the activist communities. This is Colleen Shaddix for the Yale Office of Public Affairs, talking with Mr. Daimagula, who is currently part of Yale's World Fellows Program for Emerging Global Leaders. Tell us a bit about growing up in Germany as a Muslim and part of an immigrant family. Well, I was born in a little village not far away from Cologne. Uh, we have been the uh, only immigrant family and the only, obviously the only Muslim family. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a Muslim... Um, was not a big issue, uh, neither for us as a family, we were very secular, nor for our uh, German neighbors. It, uh, however, being a Turk, having a, a different cultural background mm-hmm. uh, was um, uh, a big issue. It was not always easy, um, and it, it took a while until me and my sisters were able to develop something like a mixed a German Turkish culture background. Um, the good thing about uh, uh, being born in a village with German neighbors is that you are forced to adapt uh, certain values of uh, society. You are mm-hmm. forced to learn German. And uh, today I speak uh, German and Turkish, and um, I see it as a part of uh, being culture rich but it took a while so to develop this understanding. You heard all Turkish until you started school? Yeah, uh, but I was lucky enough to have an uh, old lady living in our ho- home. Uh, she was a widow, and she helped us kids with uh, the homework and mm-hmm. all the stuff. And I think it's very, very crucial uh, to have the chance uh, to learn in a very, very early stage uh, language of the society you're living in. Uh, without the language, without a proper understanding of language, actually you don't have any chance to uh, integrate in a society, and this is a truth for all immigration countries around the globe. What about just culturally? What what was different in your family from the families of your schoolmates? I think the sense for family mm-hmm. is different. Different. Uh, we have a strong uh, sense for family, and families define not only my parents and my siblings, but also uh, cousins of first, second, and third degree, and a certain sense of uh, solidarity mm-hmm. uh, among the family, uh, a certain sense of uh, respect uh, for the grandparents and for the elders. And I was always kind of shocked when I, when 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 friends, when German friends of mine told me that they haven't seen their their uncles or even their siblings, uh, they haven't seen them for years. This is something not uh, thinkable for my culture. And I think this is a major difference. However, what I have discovered over the time is that uh, talking about the difference, differences in between the cultures, uh, we, we tend to oversee that 90-95% uh, of all the stuff we have in common. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's not really... Uh, an issue about differences, but really sometimes to remember uh, all the things we have in common. Well, obviously, you still consider yourself very much a German. You were working in Parliament as an aide when you were only 20. Tell me what drew you there. 
You know, I was born in Germany and the German legislation uh, is quite different or was quite different to, to the of the United States. So being born in Germany uh, didn't mean for me to become a German citizen. I was an, an uh, immigrant. Uh, I was somebody who was obliged to apply once a year for a permission to stay. Oh, really? Yes, uh, until the age of uh, 22, uh, when I finally uh, became a German. But uh, being an alien in a society without participation to uh, fundamental um, civil rights, uh, starting with the right to vote, mm -hmm. uh, having the impression and the feeling um, that you're living in a place you call your home, but your home is not considered you as somebody who's belonging to this home, uh, sharpened my sense for uh, political issues, for history. I read a lot, and when I was thinking about what to study, uh, and I studied law, mm -hmm. uh, I think it was a major driver for my decision, uh, you know, to be able to define and define my, uh, defend my rights uh, when it's necessary. And so I moved to Bonn, which was at the time not only uh, the German capital, but also known for a uh, very good law school in Germany. And I simply needed to work. And since my talents as a waiter were very limited, <laughs> which I discovered very, very quickly, uh, I applied in the German parliament um, for a few members of the parliament I knew from television. And finally, I uh, get a job, uh, which was both uh, uh, interesting, exciting, and uh, paid my rent. <laughs> so you were born in Germany, um, you were working in parliament, and you couldn't vote. Exactly. Wow. So tell me about the liberal Turkish-German society. You know, um, I uh, spoke earlier before about the uh, things in common immigrants and uh, Germans have. Mm -hmm. um, and something which is very, very common for Germans and Turks are they tend to uh, start organizations <laughs> and associations. Uh, they are very, very alike. And we have numerous Turkish immigrant organizations in Germany. We had uh, cultural activist groups. We have uh, sports uh, and soccer clubs. Uh, we had all kind of Turkish organization, but it was kind of um, surprising that actually we didn't have any political advocacy group. And in 1990, after the German reunification, our country, my country Germany, suffered from a wave of xenophobic nationalism. Uh, we had attacks uh, to immigrants. Uh, we had attacks to immigrant houses, uh, people were killed. We had uh, pogrom-like uh, riots in eastern part of Germany. And friends of mine and me, uh, Turkish friends or German-Turkish friends, mm -hmm. we really were, was like, thinking like, you know, is this our home? Can this be our home? Do we have a future? And we decided, yes, it can be our home because it is our home and it's only the only home we have. So we st uh, decided to do something. And we started the first political advocacy group. And since um, uh, we all were kind of liberal, we decided to be active within the Liberal Party, mm -hmm. the Free Democratic Party of Germany, who was at that time part of the government and has a uh, long tradition for uh, being open-minded and uh, being known for, for tolerance. And I worked for a uh, liberal uh, member of the parliament. And so we started this organization, which was new in Germany. And um, actually, uh, the only surprising thing about our organization was that uh, 
immigrants in Germany needed 30, 40 years to start something like that. We had uh, the goal to uh, build a platform in which Germans and immigrants can meet, can discuss, can understand. We wanted to create a pressure group for interests uh, of immigrants in German society, but mm -hmm. also be a voice of the German public policy into the uh, immigrant community. For example, we have issues. For example, the role of women. It's not uh, like a uh, situation in Iran or in many, many Middle Eastern countries, but still we have problems and we can't, as Turkish immigrants, wait for, let's say, German politicians to tell what to do. It's our first duty to act. Mm -hmm. And so we started addressing uh, issues, uh, also address, uh, issues which were very uncomfortable for ourselves. And it is for the beginning of a long process, which is not, uh, which has not ended yet. You also worked a lot on Jewish-Muslim relations, um, and I'm interested in that because we think of sectarian conflict as being just so intractable. But you actually made some progress. Tell me how that worked. You know, <coughs> when it comes to uh, Jewish people, um, there are two fundamental points which are important for me. First, as a German. You know, um, the way you can't understand Israel today without the Shoah, without the Holocaust, mm -hmm. uh, you can't understand Germany today without the Shoah and the Holocaust. This is a huge part of my personal uh, responsibility as a German. Uh, I don't have any personal guilt, uh, but I have a huge sense of responsibility. Make sure that what happened will never happen again. Mm -hmm. And uh, coming from this point, knowing that we had a flourish and big Jewish community which was destroyed in the 30s and 40s. I wanted to work for a Germany where uh, people, no matter what cultural background they have, especially Jewish people, can come to Germany, can immigrate to Germany and live as equal uh, uh, citizens of our country. And I'm glad that today we have again around 300,000 Jewish Germans or Jewish immigrants, mostly coming from uh, the former Soviet Union, who can participate to public life and enrich our German culture again. Mm -hmm. The second point is, as a Turk, you know, it's very, very basic um, and actually easy. A German neo-Nazi who hates Turks also hates Jews. Yeah. He doesn't make people who are racists or xenophobic, they don't care about uh, whether or not you're black or Jewish or Turkish or whatever. So we have many, many problems in common. And plus, um, I had Jewish friends. I really, you know, um, like many, many aspects of Jewish culture. You know, my uh, m most, my favorite uh, poem in German history uh, is Heinrich Heine, a Jewish-born German uh, uh, author. And I feel a yeah, feel certain uh, closeness uh, to my Jewish, Jewish friends because um, it might be, let's say, also understand uh, how it feels to be mm -hmm. part of a society but not really part of a society. So you sort of related to each other as outsiders. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also want to talk to you about your work. Right now you're regional head of Middle Eastern and African operations for a major European renewable energy provider. What attracted you to the private sector? You know, I w started working in the political life at the age of 20. Uh, I became member of the uh, board of my party when I was 27. 
I served in this function for uh, 10 years. And what I discovered over the time was, uh, in order to make good and responsible public policy, you need to understand the world you're living in mm -hmm. and you need to be independent. I see many, many uh, friends of mine who are, yeah, yeah, they are good politicians, but they are totally depending on their political life. They're depending on their re-election and being dependent on your political job, on your position, on your, on your, on your office, makes you sometimes say something which is not really your opinion. <laughs> uh, it makes you unfree. Mm -hmm. And it's for me very, very important to be free enough to say and address my opinion. Otherwise, you know, first you self uh, lose uh, the trust in your political sense and it will not take long after your, uh, your uh, voters will also lose uh, your trust. Right. Secondly, um, you know, I think something like a political anima animal, somebody who has done all his life only political, uh, political uh, work, he misses something. You know, he in my opinion, somebody who's running for, a p for an office should have some experience in, in real life, should have some experience uh, as uh, somebody who's working in the private sector, in the public sector, as a teacher or uh, who raised a family, whatever. Is this is something who really connects you with the reality and which makes you more, uh, which gives you, gives, gives you more credibility uh, for whatever you're doing in politics. And you chose energy specifically. Talk about renewable energy and economic development. Where's where's the relation there? I'm uh, the regional head for a region, uh, Africa, uh, which has a huge uh, social and development problems, and many many problems but at the end of the day, uh, are related to energy issues. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was thinking about what, what to do, what, what to change. And um, one way to increase the living conditions uh, for, for millions of people in rural parts of Africa is to uh, supply these people with a sustainable energy source. And we have lots of wind, we have lots of solar radiation, we have lots of biomass in, in Africa. And bringing these kinds of, of uh, energy to the people has three impacts. One, the people have energy. It makes a big difference whether or not you can switch on the, your light in the evening and for children have the opportunity or the possibility to read a book. Mm -hmm. It makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Or getting access to information, having a radio or television makes a uh, difference. Plus, if you want to run this kind of sustainable energy, you know, you need to educate p people for a certain degree. You need, to, uh, we, we you need people who are understanding how to install um, a solar panel or wind generator. So we have a double social impact, which is exciting and good. Ever see yourself came back into government or politics? You know, since the issues I'm interested in, I'm standing for, are not are not solved or uh, did not vanished. You know, questions of cultural understanding, immigration. I think it's important to have people who are engaged, and I want to be a part of this of this agenda. Yes, I'm, I'm certainly uh, part of this discussion. Thank you. We've been talking with Mehmet Damagula. For more information, visit yale.edu/worldfellows.